You are in the ring with Hector Galon, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Galon. Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Hector Colon, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. We take on issues with people at the center of these challenges, true champions who are willing to get into the ring with me. I hope these conversations spark awareness and inspiration to shift our sector from struggle to triumph. You can check out all of my interviews at LSS wis.org slash in the ring. I want to thank our in the ring sponsor M3 for all you do to support us, your sponsorship, your friendship, and what you do to elevate our organization to be great in our sector. Okay. As my court shorty used to say, let's go champ. In the ring with me today is Sarah Kiefer, peer specialist and Brittley Nessel, clinical manager, both with LSS. Thank you to my esteemed colleagues. I'm so happy that you are here with me today. All right, I'll start off with sharing a little bit about Sarah. Sarah has been with LSS since 2022 as a human services professional and certified peer uh, specialist. She got her start in social services working in Eau Claire in a sober living house as a manager and mentor back in September of 2020. She journeyed with LSS through her own recovery which we will hear about in a moment. Next is Brittany Nessel. Brittany joined LSS as a clinical substance abuse counselor back in 2020, 2012, I'm sorry. She holds a bachelor's of science in human development and family uh, studies, and she got that at UW-Stout. And she also has a master's of science in clinical mental health counseling, again, at UW-Stout. And last year, she was voted by her peers at LSS for the All-Around Servant Leadership Award. That was last year. Thank you so much, Brittany, for all you do to inspire us here uh, at LSS. And again, Sarah, thank you so much for your willingness to share your story and be with he- me, be with us here today. Okay, are you ready for round one? I am. Okay, September is National Recovery Month. Uh, So far this year, my guests and I have had robust discussions around mental health and and substance abuse, and we've gained a lot of great insights through those good conversations from thought leaders from across the country. But today, we want to focus our efforts specifically on peer supports. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Brittany, I want to start off with you. What is peer support specialist? And what do they do? That's a great question. Um, So peer support, in in my mind, and um, how I support the peer support staff across the agency is it's really helping um, their their people with lived experience. So they're coming with um, the knowledge and the experience base of their own journey, their own story. So in order to be a certified peer specialist, you have to have either one or both um, a substance use diagnosis or history, as well as mental health. Um, So they bring that perspective and that lens of, I've walked in your shoes. I understand um, 
compared to more of that like um, clinical or professional lens. They kind of meet them at a different level, which is fantastic. I think that's super powerful that that comment of uh, that they have walked in their shoes. And um, from that perspective, they can provide valuable insights and expertise that uh, maybe other other professionals cannot. So uh, thank you for providing that. What kind of training and certification is required uh, for peer support specialists? Um, and I would actually default to Sarah on this one a little bit. Um, but I, I know that it is through, uh, there's a website actually or an agency through the state that you take the training and course through. And um, I, it's quite a extensive training process. So I'm going to pass that over to Sarah, if you don't mind. Thanks, Brittany. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, there's, I have the website. I'll share that later. Um, we have to do, it's a, about a month long of training you have to apply and then there's an interview process um and then it's like three hours a day it's four weeks long and then you do a certification at the end um which is pretty extensive and then you get your license to practice thank you thank you for sharing that sarah i know there's there's a rigorous process and and good education and training that you receive uh, to do the best you can uh, for the people we serve. And we are so thankful that you have gone through that process and have given your strengths and wisdom to share with others that um, have faced maybe similar challenges to you and that really need uh, your support to help them uh, in their recovery uh, journey. So, Sarah, I just uh, want another follow-up question for you. What are the different kinds of peer support? Um, this could be taken a kind of a few different ways. Um, there's two different certifications in the state of Wisconsin, um, one that's been around since about 2010, so it is fairly new, is the general, like the certified peer specialist. And then the newer one that they're doing was just launched in 2019, the um, certification exam. That's a certified parent peer specialist, mm. which is a pretty cool role because I think that's not something that people necessarily think of what the parents go through supporting a child with um, either substance use disorder or mental health challenges. You know, I love that. I know at a prior podcast, we talked about early intervention and prevention and sometimes getting to that parent, uh, that mom and dad, uh, well before that child is even born and how important that is to, to help that child grow a healthy, um, empowering uh, life. So I'm, I'm very proud to hear uh, this peer support specialist specifically tailored uh, to the parents. I think that's a very important. Can you please share um, your recovery story um, and tell us how peer support specialists help you along your way in your journey, Sarah? I would love to. Um, when I first got clean, their peer support wasn't a thing. Um, I like to say I'm young, but <laughs> I, my first try at uh, getting sober was before Wisconsin had the peer specialist, um, the, the certification and whatnot. Um, I'm from a small town 
and from a pretty normal family. Um, we went to church, um, had family functions. Alcohol was always a big part of our family functions. And so it was pretty normalized, uh, I think, in Wisconsin. It is quite a bit, but even for me growing up, it was a pretty everyday occurrence. And I never even really knew that recovery was a thing because I was raised like as long as you go to work and you um, your family's intact and you know everything appears fine on the outside then you know everything's okay so mental health and um, recovery was just not really in my vocabulary at all um, when I was a teenager I started really um experimenting per se with more and more things such as like the pills I would get from classmates and then you know smoking weed and then just kind of continually escalated and then my first kind of um try at getting sober I just tried to move away from my hometown thinking that I could just relocate and not really actually work on anything that was happening or going on um and so that didn't work i ended up going back home and uh things just kind of escalated and when i was 21 i remember we didn't really have cell phones in the internet back then so i was looking in a i don't even remember how it really came about but I found this 1-800 number in the back of a phone book and I remember calling it and not really having any idea and they connected me with a county person and then I got I was sent to treatment at the Farman Center which is the LSS um, treatment center and so that was my first experience with Lutheran Social Services. Um, I was in treatment there for three months and then they connected me with the women's way program um at that time women's way had like a sober house it was just an apartment um that and then they had kind of groups and whatnot that we would do and i started to get kind of my whole basis of you know, or knowledge, I would say, of what recovery was. They connected me with, like, the meetings, um, and I still had reservations. So I was had in my mind that I could just stop using one thing, but still, you know, drinking with my friends. I was 21. I hadn't, I wanted to live that life for a little bit, and for me, that wasn't something I could do. I quickly started escalating again to harder things um having surgeries getting it's kind of the same old story with opioids um getting prescribed them and just kind of misusing them for years and then seeking out more and more and then it escalated I was I went to college in that time and still thought I was doing you know good because I was able to function and get good grades and I had a decent job so then again on the outside everything looked fine so I thought I was okay and 
then the pain pills turned into using like heroin and that quickly really quickly um took over my life and i lost everything i had um my job my career my family pushed them away all my friends um it, it takes everything from you well, and Sarah, every time I, th you know, I knew that in my mm -hmm. head, I was like, oh, I know that I went to treatment before and I remember all those things. I just need to have a place to live to get better. And it's just kind of had that ego that I didn't need the help. And um, it took me to getting to getting arrested and all of a sudden I had like 43 mm. pending felonies and I was facing significant amount of prison time. And I just knew that wasn't me. Like I wasn't from that kind of family. I was not, that just wasn't me. So I started advocating. I'd heard of treatment court and knew that they kind of provided like the wraparound services. And so April 17th, 2019 is my um, clean date. It's also the day I got arrested. And so they kept denying me for the treatment court. And I just kept writing letters and advocating. And they finally accepted me. And I was able to get all of the, like, all the services that I needed. Um, when you lose everything you can't just um go to treatment for a few weeks yes it's very like critical and it helps a lot but if you go back to the same situation in the same place and you don't have that aftercare and that support lined up you i mean it kind of makes it for nothing for me anyway it made it for a nothing um and so i did really well in treatment court, um, got through it quickly. I was in sober living. I got connected with a peer support through there, and that helped a lot. The peer support actually was located in the office I work in now, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, and she helped me with, a, like, the basic stuff. I remember just even being scared to fill out forms or um go to appointments make appointments i mean all that stuff just seems overwhelming when all of your coping skills all of your supports like you're just basically starting over from clean slate and it is overwhelming so having that person to just be there even if i was capable of doing the things just having someone there to um, sit with me sometimes, which is something I do with people too. I see that they just need somebody to be there to make sure that you follow through with the simple tasks. Um, and so then after I graduated treatment court, I was also kind of simultaneously in the CCS, mm -hmm. uh, Comprehensive Community Services Program. And I continued that because I knew I didn't want to just kind of have no support. And when I was in CCS, I went through a few peer support specialists and they, it was also the pandemic. So mm -hmm. everything was kind of weird. And so they were all online and um, the turn, there wasn't enough of them. I would have to wait quite a, quite often or quite, 
for quite a bit of time in between the few that I had through there. And so it kind of started, the seed was planted that they needed more of them. And so I'd started to think about it, but still didn't really have that confidence to think that um, I could do that. Um, and so then my the treatment court um, staff, they sponsored a training with uh, peer support. And so it was only our class that went through, was only people that had went through the treatment court program. And so that was awesome just to get that, have, it was a pretty small class. And so we all had similar experiences and it was just, you gain a whole other set of supports and it was it was a really great experience. I passed my certification and took a job at Eau Claire Sober Living. It was a new sober living house that had opened. And so I got to take part in kind of um, forming that their systems and um, really being active in other people's recoveries and knowing that's what I wanted to do. I finally felt like I had a good purpose in life yeah. and I wasn't just um, there, I guess. Um, and then my treatment court coordinator that I'd had, she sent me a link for this LSS peer support job. And in my mind right away, I was like, Oh, I won't get that. Like I used to go there for services and I, they called me back and then they offered me a position and it was only part-time, but then they called me back and offered me another position. And so <laughs> here I am. Uh, and what a blessing. It's been amazing. Oh, what a blessing, Sarah. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and just sharing your story. I know there are so many uh, in our audience that are listening today that probably have similar challenges and struggles and sometimes might not be as willing to 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 talk about it. So for your courage, um, for your leadership, uh, for your willingness uh, to be vulnerable and just sharing your story and all you do for others, LSS, uh, love you so much. Thank you uh, for all you do and thank you for sharing your story. We'll get into it a little bit more as we go into the remaining rounds. Uh, but that's going to complete uh, round one. In round two, uh, we're going to cover some of the evidence that peer support services uh, work. But first, a word from our sponsor. Supporting your employees is more than a paycheck and 401k. It's just a fact. People today are at a higher risk of experiencing mental illness, housing insecurity, and substance abuse. Do you know the health of your employees, your communities? How can you step up your benefits to better address their well-being? M3 Insurance helps businesses see beyond basic benefits and support employees where they live. It's a meet them where they are approach that LSS delivers to their clients every day. M3 and LSS offer real solutions to now commonplace realities that strengthen employees and inspire communities to thrive. Test your employee benefit strategy now by going to m3ins.com. Are you ready for round two? Good. 
Studies show that uh, peer supports demonstrate the same or better results than services without peer staff. Brittany, how do peer specialists reduce relapse or incarceration? That's a good um, question. So when that's one of the really neat things about certified peer specialists is, um, you know, so let's let's kind of start with the folks that are incarcerated. Um, when people are incarcerated, sometimes they've been incarcerated for 15, 20, 30 years, even five years. And when you think about things like five years ago, um, cell phones have changed. Technology has changed. We went through a pandemic. Um, you know, things like that have come into play. And oftentimes people go into prison and then they come out with literally a bag, one bag, um, if, if anything. And so they, they literally have nothing. And, um, Certified peer specialists can help, again, kind of walk alongside of them, help them get signed up for things like Badger Care or apartments or um, even show some tricks of the trade of like, hey, this is how this is a more efficient way to complete housing applications or, yes, it's going to be tough and you can get through it. And this is how I did. And let's I'll come alongside you. Um, maybe it's picking them up and taking them to a meeting or. Um, connecting them with somebody that can help support them in a different way. Um, it's not, you know, a, a social worker and a therapist are all very beneficial um, if the person is willing and wanting that service. Um, but I may not know as their therapist some of the ins and outs of things because I don't have that level of lived experience like they do. Um, and so it's really just getting to that ongoing support. Um, it may even be a text message at seven o'clock at night of, you know, I'm freaking out and this is something completely different for me. I'm not in the institution anymore. And that, excuse me, that certified peer specialist just responding and saying, that's completely normal. Keep going. Um, those are those mm -hmm. pieces that they may not get from that professional because, you know, when we were not on call or things like that. Um, in terms of relapses or even just ongoing support, you know, it's it's kind of that same that same concept of, you know, crisis and the urge to use or if we're talking about mental health, the urge to maybe stop taking meds or cut or, um, you know, even die by suicide. Is doesn't just stop at 4 p.m. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so we see even crisis teams now have certified peer specialists so that when the crisis team gets called out or EMS gets called out or the police department gets called out, a certified peer specialist is often going with them. Um, and the results of that are, are profound because it's not only the professionals there, um, but there's somebody saying, you know, come alongside, I, I'll, I'll be there, I get this. Um, and then I'm also going to follow along and connect you to that resource. And that's that big piece, mm -hmm. that connectivity piece. That's awesome, Brittany. I, I, you know, I, as you continue to explain this, I just truly love this model. You know, peer specialists walking alongside the individual and being able to share their own experiences, their own recovery story and journey. I, I think that's so uh, powerful. So I, I believe I'm all in with it. It seems like a, a great program. Uh, a great way of, of, of having better outcomes. Could you share with us a little bit about the results and the proof? Uh, well, this sounds great. It sounds like it makes a lot of sense, common sense, but what are the actual results? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think certified peer specialist is something like Sarah said has been around for a while ish. Um, for a period of time, there were things called recovery coaches. Um, and so I think, you know, as we're thinking about data, um, I think as we continue to understand mental health, we continue to understand substance use, trauma, and how all of that intersects, um, we're going to continue to see those numbers grow. Um, I would say even within LSS, um, you know, certified peer specialists, as Sarah mentioned during the pandemic, they're, they're hard to come by. Um, we have seen counties come to us and ask to, um, you know, start contracts or what services can we provide? Um, in the beginning, we had one certified peer specialist and it quickly grew to two. And now we have even more coming on board. Um, in the southern part of the state, down by you all, um, we have programs that um, are only certified peer specialists that offer support um, whether it's a drop-in or things like that. So um, as I think the service array becomes more recognizable and supported, we're going to see those statistics continue to grow. So what it, tell us a little bit more about that demand. Is, is um, are, are the people we serve uh, asking for this service? Are our county contracted partners um, encouraging us to have this service? Uh, talk a little bit more about that, please. Yeah, I would say all of the above. <laughs> um, I would say that, um, so starting with clients, um, we, we have, there's a demand. Um, there's actually always been a demand. Um, back when we had like our original recovery coach, as they were called, um, oftentimes then that, that he was a male or he is a male, um, he'd have a wait list because he, he was the only one. And he was specific to Eau Claire County. So then it was the surrounding counties of how can we get on, on that? How can we access his services? Um, and then adding in that service array, as Sarah mentioned with CCS, you know, we may start with one area and then another consortium or county is like, hey, we want to get in on that. We want to add that service. Um, as clients know, uh, they will stop in and, hey, how do I get set up with a peer specialist or we'll get phone calls. Um, this, I would even say on state and federal levels, we're seeing more funding, grants available, contracts available, um, whether it's a specific county or even the institutions. You know, we see prisons and, um, you know, other entities like that coming forth with certified peer specialists. Um, cities, you know, fire departments, EMS, um, police departments are all starting to employ certified peer specialists or, you know, asking to contract so that um, we can have this as a resource. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, um, I've had um, family members, um, friends, best friends um, that were addicted to drugs and, 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 and relapsed and on their journey of recovery. And they've had lots of ups and downs. Um, and so that's a reality um, for many uh, facing uh, this challenge. Could you talk a little bit about uh, what happens uh, when someone relapses and what are some of the things you do uh, to help them on their journey? Would you like me to answer that or Sarah? Maybe, maybe Sarah. Sarah, would you mind? 
Sure. Absolutely. Um, that is a good question. Uh, I think that question has two parts. Um, first, I'll touch on the people that we work with. Um, everybody's journey is very unique. And in my own personal journey, I mean, I tried to get clean so many times um, and I would make it sometimes and then life happens and it would be too much or you know things happen and everybody's sometimes people don't want to be completely abstinent and we support that that is one of the beautiful things about peer support is we meet people where they're at and we really promote and teach harm reduction um some people our purpose is to keep people alive and to help them um, grow. And one person's um, a definition of recovery might be, you know, just going from uh, shooting heroin to having drinks on the weekend with their family. And that's something we support and we talk that through. And if it isn't working, then we, you know, discuss it with them. We encourage them to, that's another thing is we, we know we're not their therapists. So we encourage them to discuss things that are out of our scope um, with the professionals that they are working with. And we just let them know that we don't judge them. Um, I know a lot of the individuals that I work with, they do feel that they can tell me. And it was, it was different for me at first, even working at the, um, coming from working at the sober house and where it was abstinence there. But the program here, they don't have to be abstinent and for them to feel comfortable to share where they're at so we can it can really hold the space for them to talk through it and, you know, just go like, just come to their own conclusions because they're the, they're the experts of their own life. Um, I don't tell anybody what to do. It's not my role. Um, as far as us as peer supports, I know that's one of the big myths and kind of the things that I've, one of the risks I'd say people that are kind of apprehensive of, um, working with peer supports or bringing peer supports into their programs per se. Um, what if they relapse or what if uh, the work is too much for them? And we have a pretty lengthy code of ethics that we know and we follow and we get trained on every two years. When we recertify, we have to have one and a half hours of you know, retraining on that code of ethics. And it states, as a professional, if I find that my own recovery journey is compromised and interferes with my ability to provide support to my peers, I will engage in my own self-care and community care until such time that I am once again capable of providing professional care. And so in our training, that was a lot of it was just really learning how to be aware of your own recovery because you cannot help somebody if we are not well ourselves. And I think even anybody in this industry, um, that's the thing that 
is even LSS really promotes is our own self-care. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a peer support or a therapist. We work with some heavy stuff. And so really taking care of yourself so you can help people, that's really important. Sarah, I'd like to really stress a couple points of, of what you just shared. One, that's self-care. That's so important. Uh, regardless if you've had addiction issues in the past, we are all humans. Uh, life is complex. There are a lot of challenges we all face in life. And we have to kind of address that before giving our full selves uh, to others. So thank you for that important insight. And, you know, the other insight I really loved is, you know, what you shared about harm reduction model and when you're really there to love them, to support them, to not judge them, uh, but to help them. And so, again, thank you for, for sharing that insight. And I know that's what you do as a peer support specialist here at LSS. And I know um, all the individuals we serve are, are so grateful uh, to your support. All right. That completes round two. In round three, we're going to build on the discussion regarding stigma and continue to share how important it is to have peer support specialists in our continuum to achieve the best outcomes we can uh, for the people we serve. All right. Are you ready for round three? Yes. Yup. All right. Let's go, champ. So, Sarah, I want to start off with you. Uh, what do you do to create a safe space for people to open up uh, without fear or judgment? I just treat people, everybody that walks through my door, with respect and um, interested genuinely in who they are. Um, I'm curious about them. I listen to them. Um, I don't treat them as their illness or, you know, whatever is wrong with them or the other labels that they've had for mental health or whatnot. Um, that's one thing here LSS has done a really good job of. And even there, um, is it one LSS? Yes. I think um, they're doing a really great job of training everybody in the trauma-informed care, the harm reduction, person-centered planning yeah, that's great. You know, Sarah, I've heard uh, you share uh, experiences uh, about feeling judged in other places, but but not at LSS. Could you share a little bit uh, about that? Absolutely. I came from, well, before I worked here in one of my bachelor's degree in was hospitality and tourism. And I tried to go back to that right after um, when I was still in treatment court and looking for work and I felt very judged. I mean, it's a very kind of a, a niche little um, industry and everybody kind of knows everybody. And I just felt like everybody knew what had happened once I had left um, my job before that. And I just left feeling very shameful after the first interview. Like I was pretty excited to go and I just felt judged, I guess, per se. Um, but then here, even when I wasn't expecting to get the job, I got it. And I remember my interview um, 
I just remember how excited I was because we discussed the rat park. I don't know if you're um, familiar with that, but it's one of my favorite things. It's about a guy that had, he was doing studies on rats and he was giving them um, drug water or non-drug water. And they would choose the drug water. And then when they, he put them in the rat, Parker at Paradise, they chose like the plain water because people just need connection. And my boss, now that I have, she, when she interviewed me, like we both just knew what that was. And I just like instantly felt like it was at the right place. And I was so excited. And when I got the job here, even though some of the people were service providers to me before, I've never felt less than, I guess. I feel like my opinion is valued. I feel part of the team. I don't, it's, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Like, like you said, uh, we are one LSS and you are a very important part uh, of our organization and all we do. So uh, we are so appreciative that you are with our team and making a difference in the lives of the people we serve and you do an incredible job each and every day. And again, I know the people we serve love you so much. Thank you for, for being with us. And again, uh, on this podcast with me sharing um, your insights. Brittany, I want to come to you. <clears throat> How does LSS collaborate with our funders and community partners and to improve access to peer support services? Yeah, um, great question. So, I you know, mentioned early on that we, LSS is, I often say, you know, if it's out there in human services, we do it. Um, and so if there's a need, LSS is often, um, at, you know, in Eau Claire, where there's um, one of our contract partners, if if they receive money or the, the funds or grants, we're the first person they come to to provide the service, um, which is great that we have that reputation and that respect from um, the county and, you know, statewide and, and the different initiatives. Um, and so the collaboration is there and it's continuing to grow. It's continuing to expand. And it's also continuing to understand what the needs are. Um, as, you know, we're starting to see statistics from the pandemic where, you know, people who are living with substance use and mental health were isolated for years um, and lack of resources and, um, you know, we saw slow bed days for people to get into mental health and substance use services and wait lists for out, you know, outpatient counseling. Um, we're really seeing an uptick for a need for certified peer specialists to kind of fill that gap um, and be able to wrap around folks even more um, as we're seeing just the trends of what's happening even in, in our world, in our country right now. Um, there's a, a big divide and it's, it's pretty clear. Um, and so I think the collaboration is there and it's continuing to grow. Um, as we see certified peer specialists, from what I've heard, certified peer specialists um, hopefully will become like an insurance billable service. Um, I don't know if that's true, um, but it would be wonderful to see the bigger entities pick this up and recognize it as a service. I think once that happens, um, we'll even see more access and availability for people um, because that is one of the bigger the bigger issues is the availability. Like Sarah said, some programs 
um, feel a little bit nervous to bring people in that have that lived experience because it can be a vulnerable job. Um, even for myself as a therapist, it can be a very vulnerable position working with people because um, I am a human too. And so I think um, as we continue, continue to see just services grow, this will be one that grows along with it, which is fantastic. Thank you, Brittany. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all bought in. Uh, based on this conversation that we've had uh, here today, my prior knowledge of the literature that shows, you know, peer support specialists have great outcomes uh, for the people uh, they serve. And I love this idea of what you just talked about. Could this be reimbursable? I think that that's what allow, would allow us to scale this program in a way that would help so many uh, in our community. Uh, so just know that I will be a big ambassador uh, to try to work with uh, Medicaid uh, at the state level to 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 make this um, service reimbursable so that we can have more of this, one. Two, so that we can pay uh, our peer support specialists better, uh, commensurate to the value they provide the individuals they serve. And last but not least, and very importantly, um, the people that we serve are going to benefit from it. So, from all of those, for all of those reasons, uh, I'm bought, I'm bought in, and I'm going to be a big advocate to uh, advance this. Um, well, that completes our final round. Last question, hey. though, before we're we're, we're done, uh, I want to ask each of you. How will you use your punching power this year to advocate for our sector? I'll let Brittany go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Um, so for those that know me, I am one of a very large champion um, for people living with mental health and substance use. I am incredibly passionate about it. I often say that that population is my people. Um, and, you know, it's being able to be, um, be willing to advocate and have those discussions that people may maybe feel uncomfortable with, or, you know, it's one, you know, not to get up on my soapbox, um, but just to be able to offer a little bit of insight. Um, everybody is a human first. We need to be using person-centered language when we talk. Um, you don't call somebody a cancer patient. Why would you call somebody an addict? Or why would you call somebody depressed, you know, and so being able to just continue to advocate um, for our the line of work that we do and our staff and the agency um, and our community is, is kind of where I go with that and just being willing to have those discussions, even though it may be tough. Thank you, Brittany. And you are a true champion, a uh, sincere champ. Uh, and so thank you uh, for sharing that and for all you do and for what you're going to be willing to do to continue to advocate for our sector. Uh, Sarah? I like what she said about the person-centered language. Uh, that's something that has really kind of grown, I guess, <laughs> me, that when I do hear it, it kind of hits me. And so I do um, advocate for that as well. Uh, part of our... Uh, scope of practice as a peer support is advocating not only for the people we work with, but for peer support as a whole. And already I've 
been advocating for places to sponsor more trainings because they don't have enough trainings for people that are interested in becoming a peer support. So that's a big thing I've been working on. Um, and just be making people aware. Um, I think this stuff, sharing my story, um, helping to reduce that stigma. I think that in itself is just huge because people, it's really hard for people to, they need that purpose, you know, to get better. And so um, letting them know that there is a life after that is huge. Sarah, I, I don't know if you understand how powerful uh, it is, uh, it, your willingness to share your story and the impact that it, that has on others, including myself. And so thank you so much uh, for doing that. Thank you so much for uh, continuing to advocate uh, for our sector and for those that um, um, need our help. Uh, so that concludes our episode today. You guys were both a knockout. I really appreciate everything you do for LSS, the people we serve, and for being on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a powerful episode. I want to recap on a few of the meaningful insights that we learned from both Brittany and Sarah uh, today. You know, we know that people with lived experience, they've, they've been there before. They've done that. They've overcome that. They're on their journey of recovery. is so powerful to be added into the continuum of services to improve the lives of the people we serve. So that was powerfully illustrated today. But we also know there is a lot of hope. You know, Sher uh, Sarah shared her story of her struggles and how she was able to overcome um, her her situation. So it gives us a lot of hope. And there are so many other peer support specialists out there that are sharing similar stories of hope um, for those uh, for those individuals that we serve. You know, we talked about uh, Sarah mentioned a little bit about how drinking is is kind of normalized, especially here in Wisconsin. You know, people love their beer, their wine, and cheese and and it's it's a party, and and there could be good to that, right? You're with family, you're you're build friendships, uh, but you do need to be careful, especially if you have a family history of addiction. You want to be very careful uh, to not engage in 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 drinking in a way that is going to lead uh, to an addiction. You know, there's a growing need uh, for peer support specialists here. In Wisconsin, there's no doubt the counties want it, the people we serve want it, organizations like LSS want it, uh, because they they produce great outcomes uh, for the people we serve. But there are barriers. There are barriers in a number of people uh, willing to come forward and providing the services. There are barriers related to reimbursement uh, for their for this specific service, which don't exist today. Uh, so we need to advocate. Uh, to change some of those things so that we can have more peer support specialists to to um, continue with the great outcomes they produce. You know, I, I like the fact that I heard that crisis doesn't happen only during business hours. And again, not only peer support specialists, but at LSS, our staff are out there 
making sure that we can work uh, beyond the normal work hours to serve individuals when they might be experiencing a crisis or when they have a real need. Uh, we talked about the demand. The demand for peer support specialists is great. Uh, there are some barriers relating to reimbursement, uh, stigma that makes it a challenge. So we want to advocate to make sure that we can get that reimbursement and, and reduce that stigma so we have more uh, individuals that will be able to work in this capacity. And uh, we want to focus on, um, we need this idea of we need to focus on our own recovery uh, in order to uh, help others. And so that exists whether you, if you have a mental illness or addiction or not. All of us need our own um, self-help and um, we need to, to improve ourselves so that we can help improve others. I heard that our purpose is to keep people alive uh, and to help them grow. We also need to take a person-centered approach. Everybody's unique and different. And so by, by, by taking that person-centered approach uh, is going to yield the best outcomes we can. Uh, people need connection. Uh, they gave, they talked about, uh, Sarah talked about that rat study where the, uh, the drugged water and the regular water, and then after the rats were addicted to the drug water, but then when, when there were several rats congregated together, the rats, the rat went to that group of where there was, where there was connection versus, um, the drugged water. So powerful story of how we need connection in life, friendship, um, meaningful relationships. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs that. So I encourage you all to, to try to find that. And lastly, um, I'm so thankful that both Brittany and Sarah are going to be strong advocates um, to, to bring more peer support specialists to Wisconsin and Alaska specifically, the fact that they are willing to share their stories and that Peer support specialist is good for work, it's good for our colleagues, it's good for LSS, and it's good for the broader community. So uh, those are the insights. Uh, I want to thank Sarah once again and Brittany for getting into the ring with me today. As always, uh, you can find all of our interviews on our website at lsswis.org slash in the ring. Subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn so you don't miss any of these important conversations in the future. And when you follow and like and subscribe, it's going to help us reach a larger audience. So please don't forget to do that. Thank you to our In The Ring sponsor, M3. Con mucho cariño, with much affection. Bye. Bye.